We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This. Day podcast. What's happening, Packer fans? Welcome into the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day podcast. Welcome into a victory Monday edition. Packers defeat the Rams. And yes, for those of you who listened to the YouTube video yesterday, I was wrong. I thought the Packers would lose this game. I think I said uh, Rams by 10 in this one. Clearly uh, incorrect, as I mentioned yesterday. If I knew the results of the game, I would certainly be in Vegas and not on YouTube. But either way, I think the biggest thing I will say here is that I underestimated this Packers team. Plain and simple. I underestimated the ability for this Packers team, Sands Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith, and David Bakhtiari, and Elton Jenkins, and so on and so forth, and all the injuries that they've had up until this point, missing the game of Aaron Rodgers, and and just all of it, right? I underestimated their ability to be 9-3 and at this point in the season. Simply put, I didn't think that this team, even with all of the depth and the talent and the, the coaching staff and everything that they had and have, if you would have told me those injuries and the schedule that they've had to play and some of the teams that they've had to go against, you know, in just some of the circumstances and situations and not having to buy and so on and so forth, there are so many baked in excuses to this Packers season already. The COVID stuff they've gone through, the drama they've gone through, all of it, absolutely all of it. To be nine and three at this point through 12 weeks is astounding and incredible. And I, like I said, I fully own it. I underestimated this Packers team to be where they are at this point in the season. And they deserve a ton of credit. They have shown a ton of grit, a ton of fortitude. Listen, I talked about it yesterday. Just about everyone talked about it going into this game. The Rams were coming fresh off a bye, coming off of two losses in an all-in season. 
you knew that the Rams were going to come in motivated and full of energy and full of effort. Meanwhile, the Packers were set to go into their bye. You easily could, you know, I, I don't think overlook the Rams. Or I don't think they were just going to sleepwalk through this game, but it's, it's like, these are human beings, right? You've got two weeks off or at least a, a full week off coming up, right? I could easily, as a human, look forward to that full week off rather than maybe the task at hand. It's like, you know, how many people uh, Wednesday at work, knowing that they'd have off maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, maybe Wednesday at work wasn't quite as productive because you knew you were going to have a four-day weekend, right? It would be easy for this Packers team as humans to be like, you know what, we've got a full week off coming up. Let's just get through this game, you know, and, and we'll figure out the rest of the season later. That's not what happened. That was, you know, completely the opposite. In fact, if you would have told me, you know, one of these teams was coming off of a buy and I could only judge based off of the tape, I would have said a million times over, it was the Packers who were the team that came off the buy, full of energy, needing and wanting to win, and it was the Rams that were looking ahead to a bye week. And it again, that's not the case. Obviously, Green Bay will finally get their bye week next week, but. So much credit to Matt LaFleur and this coaching staff for getting these players ready and prepared. And yes, there's no two ways about it. Playing at the friendly confines of Lambeau Field in front of a raucous crowd, that certainly does a ton for your energy levels. Going up against the Rams in a really big marquee game, uh, you know, on the, the main Fox, you know, you know, Sunday afternoon broadcast, that certainly does a lot for the energy in this game. But uh, again, th- there's a lot of ways that Green Bay could have, you know, just kind of fast forwarded through this game to try to get to the bye week and try to get healthy and get guys back. And they just didn't do that. And they played hard. They played intense. They played full of energy. They played with speed. They played with tenacity. Enter any other adjective that you want to put into that game. Green Bay outplayed the Rams for four quarters. And yeah, Rams made a little bit of a a comeback effort at the end. At no point, at no point in the second half was that game in, in any question. Green Bay comfortably held a lead through the entirety of that second half. And, you know, as soon as the Rizul Douglas pick six happened, it was almost a a third quarter dagger. It wasn't quite, but it certainly felt that way at the time. And ultimately it was the last time Green Bay would score and was still enough to get the Packers through to the victory. So again, could not be more impressed with what this team has shown. And as I mentioned on the video yesterday, yes, nine and three, three losses still, right? But those three losses, in my opinion, first one, I'm willing to write off the books. To me, that was their their last preseason game. I don't give them a full pass and give credit to the Saints and things like that. They were more prepared for that game. But in the, in the ultimate scheme of things for how I think Green Bay is going to be playing at the end of the season and what they're going to have the opportunity uh, to contend for, I don't think that first game has any, you know, any bearing on this season whatsoever, outside of potential seeding, of course. Number two, Kansas City. If Aaron Rodgers plays that game, they win that game easy. I don't think it's even close, and I don't think there's any real debate about that. They could have won that game with Jordan Love, didn't lose by much. The defense played phenomenal with any offense in that game. The Packers run away with it. They didn't have Rodgers. I can, you know, I, I, again, if, if you've heard me talk before, I look at the process. How do these games work? Did they, you know, were they better than the opposing team more often than not? And in my opinion, in the majority of the games they were, even in that Minnesota game, same thing. Yeah, Minnesota won, give them credit, Justin Jefferson. There's things that Green Bay needed to clean up from that game, but the way that they pressured Kirk Cousins, the way that they got him to throw a ton of interceptable balls, the way that they scored points on offense, no concerns out of that game either. So nine wins, 
three losses. One of them, I, again, I chalk up to basically a last preseason game. One of them, no Aaron Rodgers. And the other one, I really liked how they played for the most part and think they win that game 90 times out of 100. I'm not concerned with anything that the Packers have put on tape in, in regards to a loss so far this season. So they are trending in every way, shape, or form in the right direction. And now they get the buy. Now they get the opportunity to finally get that rest that they so badly needed. We'll see how they come out of the bye week, you know, and, and see if they can repeat the energy that they showed against the Rams. They'll have the Bears coming up on, on as of right now, Sunday night football. I believe it still potentially could get flexed, but uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, again, I don't know how you couldn't be uh, or how you could be any more impressed in, you know, with the Packers and what you are seeing what they've done with this season so far with the injuries that they've had. Let's talk about some of the stars and the keys to this game. First of all, Razul Douglas, right? In a game, and let's talk about this for a second, because these are two teams that have been built in very different ways. Now, we can't say in, in any way that this is like the Ted Thompson Packers, right? That this is just a team that's built from the draft and the ground up and hasn't looked, you know, out, outside the game players, right? Adrian Amos, Preston Smith, uh, Billy Turner, Devondre Campbell, Razul Douglas. There's there's quite a few players that are making an impact in this game who have come from other teams in some way, shape, or form. Corey Bajorquez, etc. However, however, as of recently, especially this season, this is a team that for the most part has decided to re-sign its own players as a, a priority. Aaron Jones, Preston Smith, Dean Lowry, Kevin King, and so on and so forth, Mercedes Lewis. This offseason was about getting their own guys back. And yes, they got a Bohorquez and a Randall Cobb and a Devondre Campbell. But for the most part, they spent their time, effort, energy, and resources in keeping this team together. Meanwhile, the Rams spend a ton of future draft capital and a ton of money on acquiring, obviously in the past, Jalen Ramsey and, and still using you know picks for that. But also Matthew Stafford, Von Miller, Odell Beckham, they've given up a lot to build this current roster the way that it is. And there's no two ways about it. These teams are both all in on this season, both trying to contend for a Super Bowl this season. Both will have to pay the tax down the line for what they've done to try to contend this season. There's no perfect way to build a team. We will see if either of these teams figured out the formula to help them win this year. There's a chance that neither of them do, right? But as of right now, in this game, Green Bay was the better team, despite not going and getting an Odell Beckham or a Von Miller in, in uh, you know midseason. And of all the in you know in year acquisitions that were in this game, the one that played the biggest part wasn't OBJ, it wasn't Von Miller, it was Razul Douglas, which is unbelievable. Aaron Rodgers mentioned it in his post game press conference as well. Can't believe that he was on a practice squad, and it seems unbelievable. It really does. And credit Brian Gutekunst and the scouting staff for poaching him and finding him and getting him on the roster. And credit Jerry Gray for coaching him up and getting him ready to play. And credit uh, you know this defense for giving him a role within this defense because it's clear this defense is better when Roswell Douglas is on the field. And let's be clear here. Not a perfect game, right? The double move by OBJ for a touchdown. It looks at first glance like this is cover four. I'll be really interested to see the cover, or excuse me, the all 22 on this. So don't quote me a million percent on this. I want to review this further in the week, but it looks like a cover four, uh, which means, you know, you have four players going back and playing each of their zones in the field. It looks like Douglas and Amos both kind of jumped the slant. 
you know, in that situation, especially given the score, you'd probably prefer that both of those guys are trying to, you know, are, are maybe playing a bit more cautious and not biting up there. I do put a little bit more on Douglas in this case. He's the guy that has to have the vertical on his side. Amos had no other player really stretching his quarter of the field. So he has the ability maybe to, to jump that route a little bit more, especially if he knows that Douglas is covering the deep portion. Uh, but again, don't quote me on that. I'd like to see that, uh, you know, on all 22 and break that down a little bit further later in the week. But uh, overall, even after giving up that touchdown, Douglas had a couple more pass breakups and sticky coverage. He tackled well. You know, he had the pick six, of course, just another impact performance. And there's no two ways about it. Razul Douglas is the better corner than Kevin King right now. And I know some of you are rolling your eyes and saying, uh, yeah, Andy, obviously we get that. We're well past that John, uh, John Mulaney reference, if you will. Uh, but let's just be clear. The Packers have you know, prioritized King over Douglas, even when both have been healthy in recent weeks. Yes, there's been a little bit of rotation, uh, but King has been the starter. And Jerry Gray has stated in the past that they're not going to bench somebody due to an injury. So this isn't, you know, a, a cut and dry case. To me, Kevin King has had, what, five years now to show his capabilities on the field. I'm not saying, and I know there's the, the people on social media have said, well, you know, Kevin King should be cut at this point. Again, I talked about this yesterday. If you need a corner on the field and your choice is Kevin King or Isaac Yadam or Shamar John Charles, it is King in a landslide. But the first option is Jair Alexander, then it's probably Eric Stokes, then it's Razul Douglas, and then on the outside at least, it's Kevin King. Those are your four top outside corners, and that that's it. And Kevin King still has value as the number four, but the difference between Douglas and King is real, and Douglas needs to be that guy. He is He plays with more confidence he is quicker. I don't think he's faster. I think if you've timed both of them in the 40, I think King might be faster, but he is quicker. He he communicates better. He's a better tackler. He's just a better all-around player. And at this point, you cannot go back to Kevin King if both of those players are healthy. It needs to be Razul Douglas. This defense is better when Razul Douglas is on the field. How about Matt LaFleur? That's another, you know, a game ball goes to him. And yes, everyone and their mother and anyone who's done a podcast or a pregame show or wrote an article about this game prior to or probably post is going to talk about Matt LaFleur not losing two games in a row. But it was 8-0 prior to the game. It is now 9-0. And it just feels even like it feels even that much more impressive after this game. Listen, Rams were... 0-2 in their last two games and an all-in season coming off a bye. This was a this was a desperate Rams team and you felt it in the first half. There's a moment then that fourth down play, the, the play that Amos made over the top where uh you know stuffed uh, the running back, you know, behind the line or you know, at least behind the 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 yard to gain. That that moment where where Sean McVay went for it, like they were already going, they were down seven nothing, I think, at that point. They're already going no huddle. They're going for it fourth down deep in their own territory. Maybe it was ten nothing. Either way, it doesn't matter. Like they were already fully on tilt. You could tell how desperate this Rams team was to get a victory in this game. And Matt Lafleur just completely outcoaches Sean McVay. He has his team. He's, you know, he's pressing all the right buttons to get them motivated. And it was, it's just, it's such an impressive feat to not lose two games in a row. And it may sound like, 
you know, well, you know, yeah, not losing two games in a row. What, you know, what does that mean exactly? But there, if you don't have losing streaks, if you never lose two in a row, like, like if you do that, you're, you're a 500 team at minimum, right? I mean, you could technically be a little bit worse dependent upon if you go loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, and you have more losses than wins. I guess you could go what eight and nine with uh, never losing two in a row, but like that's, that's your floor. If you never lose more, you know, never lose two or more games in a row, your worst you can do in a 17 game season is eight and nine. That is your floor as a team. And all you have to do is string together a couple winning streaks and now you're a playoff team. Like it is absolutely incredible. And and I think the other thing too is it, it just never allows the team to kind of, you know, feel like they're going to go through that losing streak or start, lo- you know, losing confidence or believing that they're not going to win games. And it, again, it is so impressive that LaFleur has been able to right the ship after every loss, get his team back motivated, not have any lingering doubts or issues, and just get everything right back on track. And yes, having a veteran team, having players like Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb and David Bakhtiari, even if he's not playing, and Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith and Devondre Campbell and Adrian Amos and so on and so forth. Mercedes Lewis. Yes, all of that stuff helps. But how they've built this team, how they've built this locker room and how they have this coaching staff set up, it's a it's a testament to all of it that in in now almost 3 years as head coach, Matt LaFleur has not lost back-to-back games. Packers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices in all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers Vikings in Minnesota, going to be heading west for that game, attending my first game in the new Vikings stadium. Cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's so much to cover in this game. I have literally so much more that I want to go over. Let's talk about A.J. Dillon next, right? Because you look at this this game on, on paper for A.J. Dillon, it's like 90 yards total and 25 touches. It's like three and a half yards per touch. It's not the sexiest. His largest gain of the day is eight yards, no rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. You look at it on paper, like he's not getting any, you know, Aaron Ground Player of the Week awards or anything like that from this performance, right? But for anyone who watched this game, you know just how hard and just how tough A.J. Dillon ran in the face of really not much running room, right? The ability for him to punish tacklers, gain yards after contact, run over defenders, pick up fourth and ones and third and twos and second and twos and just drag players and uh, you know make plays where there's not a ton there, that was as hard earned of a 90 yards as you will find in today's NFL, especially again, when you have a long of eight yards, it's just a grind, right? And that's the type of player that you brought AJ Dillon into be. And yes, there are going to be days where he does much better than that. And the blocking is better. And he is able to, you know, get some, you know, some much bigger gains, but in, in playoff caliber football, Lambeau field in the, you know, cold temperatures and everything like that where there maybe isn't a ton of yards to gain and you have to pick up some big third downs and fourth downs and red zone opportunities to have a guy like AJ Dillon has so much value. We saw him in a little bit in a closer role in this game as well. We know AJ, or excuse me, Aaron Jones was a little bit banged up in this one. You know, they said they didn't have him on a snap count per se, but you know, they were going to be super cautious with them. That's exactly what they were and rightfully so. This was Dylan's game and he made the most of it. Even if the numbers don't show this completely amazing, sexy performance, he, he earned everything and then some. Yeah, you know, this is this is you know you take some average running back in this game that doesn't have that same ability to break tackles. I think that twenty five touches might have resulted in like fifty two yards. Honestly, I mean that that's how good Dylan was at just pushing the pile, getting yards where there wasn't a ton there, and and really just again punishing Rams defenders and kind of wearing down uh, the Rams a little bit as the game went on as well. So kudos to AJ Dylan for a performance, even though it doesn't look the greatest in the stat sheet in the first half. Randall Cobb was really the the name of the first half, right? In a variety of different ways. As a pass catcher, four catches, what, 90-some yards, I think it was, and a touchdown. He was all over the place. The the throw that Rodgers made to, to Cobb in that Bermuda Triangle of defenders, uh, it, you know, he's literally triangulated, had to get the ball over the linebacker, to the right of the corner, to the left of the safety, hit him in stride. And then for, for Cobb to still show the acceleration and the yards after the catch ability, took a little pass in the flat later and, and took that for what, 20 some yards, had the touchdown catch. I mean, just a, a really impressive first half performance as Randall Cobb, the receiver. Of course, he did also have the muffed punt and the, the lone turnover for Green Bay in this game. They replaced Amari Rogers, who let another ball, uh, you know, hit the ground and, and not catch, you know, you know, not get up there and catch it. Uh, which they bench him for, and they put Cobb in. And of course, the first thing Cobb does is muff the punt. The Rams get the turnover, get a field goal out of it. Uh, but overall, great performance, I think, for Cobb until, of course, he 
gets injured and has a groin injury that keeps him out of the second half of the game. So everything in that first half, it was like, so Cobb went out of the game and then he came back. He leaves that halftime injured, four catches, 90 some yards, a touchdown, muff punt. It was, it was all Randall Cobb all the time in that first half. Some good, some bad, some ugly, uh, but overall, uh, just shows what Cobb is still capable of, especially as a slot receiver. And hopefully the injury isn't anything long-term. You know, everyone knows at this point, Green Bay uh, could really go a, a game without suffering any sort of serious injury. Hopefully it's something that with, you know, with a bye week coming up, he has a couple weeks off and can get back uh, next game. But, uh, you know, Green Bay can certainly survive Randall Cobb being out a few weeks if need be with the depth they have at receiver, uh, but we'll love to have him come playoff time. And again, I think he showed in the first half exactly why. Speaking of punt returner, kick returner, I think it's very clear whether it's Randall Cobb, whether it's Amari Rogers, whether it's Malik Taylor, whether it's whoever you want to use, Green Bay just doesn't have a great option as a returner right now. And if you're Brian Gutekunst, you got to look around. You got to try to find somebody. You know, you have the ability to promote players from the practice squad. There's so many different ways that you can, you know, utilize that. You just have to find a way to put a competent returner on this team. Right now, Green Bay doesn't have one and they could really, really use one. We know that the special teams need needs every ounce of help they can get and not having a returner as a kick returner or punt returner is hurting this team. It's, it's maybe one of the real areas that Green Bay still has an opportunity to upgrade. I would love to tell you I have an idea of who they could go out and get. I know people will immediately point to Tyler Irvin. I mean, at this point, sure, why not, right? But uh, either way, they need to find someone and they need to find somebody who can take that job both kick returner and punt returner and be better than what anything you know Green Bay's put on the field so far this season. Real quick touch base on Rashawn Gary. Of course, had the forced fumble, I think. Uh, you know, Matt LaFleur talked about him being a presence on every given, you know, every play. You know, he gave Andrew Whitworth trouble in that game, and Whitworth doesn't have trouble in games, you know, ever. And I thought, you know, his ability to get that that forced fumble was huge. And just get him back in the game, making plays was so huge for this Packers defense. Again, the, these are always uh, tough decisions, right? Because you you know you could have kept Gary and Lazard and Jones and so on and so forth. You you could have kept all of them out this game and given them extra rest going into the bye. Uh, but look at the impact, especially that Rashawn Gary was able to have in this game. I mean, how thankful can Green Bay be that that arm injury, which looked awful in the moment ended up being not that bad. And not only can, I mean, again, I've mentioned this so many times, it's not just getting the player back from injury, it's getting them back from injury and hoping they can still be effective. Rashawn Gary showed in this game, he can still be effective and was still a force to be reckoned with, even against one of the best offensive tackles in all of football in Andrew Whitworth. A couple weeks ago, about, you know, couple quarters through the Minnesota game, we were talking about this Packers offense and wondering what was wrong and were there real issues at hand and what was going on with Rodgers and so on and so forth. Well, at that point, the Packers had three points in the Vikings game. There's about three minutes left in the, the second quarter of the Vikings game. They had three points at that point, really all based on the one throw to Devontae Adams where he gained a bunch of yards after the catch because Minnesota forgot to cover him, right? Well, up you know from that point until about, uh, I forget exactly the, the, the time period in this game, um, but there was a nine drive stretch, nine drives. This was the offensive production for the Packers on those nine drives from the, uh, you know, basically the end of the second quarter uh, through, I think it was around like the second or third quarter of this game. Touchdown, 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 a punt on a 15 play drive. So it's not exactly like the offense stalled out. Touchdown, field goal, field goal, touchdown. Nine drives, what is that? Two, three, four, five, six touchdowns, 
two field goals, one punt. Nine drives, six touchdowns, two field goals, one punt. Obviously, finished the Vikings game off strong and gave them the opportunity to win that game and really started the Rams game off strong and gave them every opportunity to win this game, which of course they did. They only go one and one in that stretch, but ultimately the offense came alive. And I think we can at least a little bit put those concerns about the offense to rest for the time being. And a huge piece of that and a huge shout out goes to the Packers offensive line in this one, right? Everyone, myself included, talking all week about this beat up Packers offensive line against Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, Agbo Okoronkwo, and so on and so forth. I think I've said so on and so forth a hundred times. I apologize. I will fix that the rest of this episode. But man, Yash Nyman and Royce Newman and Lucas Patrick and Billy Turner and John Runyon, those guys stepped up big. Now, to be fair, the running game wasn't strong and they didn't exactly open a lot of holes in that regards when it came to running the football. In addition, the Packers clearly, clearly had a concerted effort to get the ball out of Rodgers' hands quick and not allow a ton of time for the Rams to really get their pass rush going. But Rodgers threw 45 times in this game and was only sacked once. And that sack was on a play where he was scrambling up trying to get you know first down with his legs and was tackled at the line of scrimmage, which is technically a sack for zero yards. If you would have told me that Rodgers threw 45 times and that they would have one sack for no for a zero yard loss and that it wasn't by Donald or Floyd, uh, you know, or Von Miller, I would have taken that every single time. And so would Adam Stenovich and Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and everyone, right? And while I don't think the offensive line did a great job of run blocking, A.J. Dillon did point them out in his postgame press conference and shouted them out for the job they did do against this Rams defensive line. Not an easy assignment in any way, shape, or form. And the fact that they were able to really allow Green Bay for the most part to run their offense, could they have done better you know, run blocking? Could they have you know, done better in pass protection in certain situations? Yes, but this is as good of a defensive front as any team in football and Green Bay's makeshift offensive line without Jenkins and Bakhtiari and Myers held its own. And that is more than you could ask for given that situation and circumstance. Once again, credit to Adam Stenovich and the job that he has done along that Packers offensive front. Of course, we have to talk about Odell Beckham Jr., all the drama about would he go to the Packers, would he go to the Rams, he chooses the Rams. There was the joke at the time, maybe he should just wait until this game is over with, and then whoever wins the game, he could go sign for, you know, sign with for the remainder of the season. Beckham definitely had an impact, right? Five catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown, including a touchdown over Razul Douglas in that aforementioned play. Uh, so definitely not nothing, right? Like this was still uh, an impact player in this game, but was targeted 10 times, only caught five. And you could see that Stafford and Beckham were not always on the same page throughout the, you know, throughout this game. And that's again, the sort of like the price you pay is maybe a little bit harsh, but like that's the the truth about acquiring a receiver mid-season is that those relationships and those connections take time to develop. And again, come playoff time, maybe OBJ and Stafford are just clicking on all cylinders and a, a dynamic, you know, duo and and tough to stop 
come playoff time, especially with Cooper Cup there too and Van Jefferson, that entire Rams offense. But right now, you can see see it's still a little bit disjointed. And ultimately, Green Bay came away with the win in this one. So, uh, you know, plus the Packers had three receivers over 50 yards in this game, not exactly lacking for playmakers. So, well, OBJ definitely had an impact, big touchdown. Uh, you know, I don't think Green Bay has any regrets for for uh, that, you know, not being able to get him and not being able to make that move. And I think Green Bay handled that entire situation ultimately the right way. And I think, uh, you know, the Rams are better with OBJ, but I think the Packers are exactly where they want to be and certainly still have the receivers that they need. Speaking of receivers, want to just talk about EQ really quick because, and the reason I want to do that is because Aaron Rodgers took specific time out of his press conference to shout out EQ specifically. Um, and just, you know, kind of going over again, the fact that he was released and they brought him back and he's fought through to, you know, get back on the 53. One catch in this game, but it was on a third down where they were able to convert to a first down. Also had a great special teams tackle. The, the tackle ended up getting wiped off the board because that was the play where the Rams were lined up in the neutral zone and the Packers uh, eventually would get the automatic first down because of it. So that play gets kind of ruled out, but a phenomenal play to get down and, and make a play on special teams. And then also down to ball at the one yard line. He's also one of the best run blocking players as a Packers wide receiver. You know, I'm not sure he's, yeah, I don't know that he's that far from Alan Lazard, to be honest. So EQ has done a ton of work to get on the field more. And right now, I think Green Bay really has to look at potentially taking some of Alan Lazard's snaps, who has struggled and is dealing with injury. I still think Lazard has a lot to offer this team, uh, but I think they have to at least look at maybe giving a few more of those snaps to EQ for what he's put on tape these last couple weeks. There's not always good news that comes out of these games. And I think Mason Crosby continues to be a area of concern. And this is the fourth straight game where he has missed a kick. And that's a big concern. And it just felt like, even all the kids, he started three for three on field goals, started three for three on extra points. And it felt like, all right, maybe he can take some momentum and then fourth quarter doink off the upper left post. And if we're being honest, a couple other kicks in this game that were, you just eked in barely, right? And I know it's windy and I know it's the you know, long snapper and the, the holder and everything working together. But as I said yesterday on the video, just make the kicks. It's not like he's kicking any 56 yarders. You know, he made, I think a 44, missed like a 42. They just have to get this figured out. The last thing you want is this season ending because you can't make an extra point or a field goal. You should be able to rely upon Mason Crosby. It has to get fixed. It continues to remain an issue. And they have a bye week to try to figure this the heck out. And the season could come down to it. The season legitimately could come down to whether or not Mason Crosby and this kicking unit can get right. And if they can't, it could ultimately cost Green Bay before the season is done. All right, let's talk about Charles Woodson really quick as he goes in uh, the ring of honor and they celebrate him at halftime. Uh, you know, he has the cool statement, I was a Packer for seven years, but now I'm here forever. And how more fitting could you possibly have than having the Packers get a pick six on Charles Woodson celebration day? Sometimes things just work out the way they're supposed to. Charles Woodson ending in Green Bay when he did, helping Green Bay win a Super Bowl, being in the ring of honor, becoming a Hall of Famer, Heisman Trophy winner, Defensive Player of the Year, and then, of course, having a pick six on his day celebrating in Green Bay. Everything with that man uh, in his career seems right. It seems right that his name is in Green Bay and uh, just a phenomenal career. And uh, I missed uh, the game because I, as if you maybe tell, 
a uh, little bit uh, of a cold, a little bit stuffed up. I'm, I'm like trying not to cough through this episode, uh, you know, mostly out of an abundance of caution to be respectful to my peers in the press box. But uh, the thing I'm most bummed about, yeah, it was a great game. I would have loved to see the game, but, you know, not being able to see Charles Woodson uh, there and, and his name go up in the ring of honor, definitely disappointing. One of my favorite all-time players and uh, and uh, certainly deserving of the honor. Kudos on, on an amazing, amazing career, Charles Woodson. All right, a couple other things really, really quick. Uh, of course, we did have some injuries. Randall Cobb, we talked about already, groin injury. We'll see how that plays out over the course of the next couple of weeks when Green Bay comes back from the bye. Darnell Savage also took that hit at the end of the game, but he did post on Twitter post game that he's doing just fine, or you know, I, I think he said I'm fine or I'm good, something to that effect. So seems like Green Bay avoided an issue there. No other reported injuries, which knock on wood is amazing. And again, hopefully Cobb isn't too crazy. With Green Bay's win against the Rams, they go 4-0 against the NFC West, arguably the toughest division in all of football. They beat Seattle and San Francisco and the Rams and uh, the Cardinals, an entire division. And that is four very distinct teams uh, that have very different styles and have, you know, pretty darn good quarterbacks too, right? Russell Wilson, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, okay, but like that's still a good offense usually. Um, but Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, like that is not an easy task to run the gauntlet and run the table and go 4-0 against the NFC West. Green Bay was able to do so with the win against the Rams. Speaking of that win against the Rams, we kind of joked all week that it was a Corey Bajorquez revenge game. But one of the things I think that flew under the radar a little bit, was a little bit of a revenge game for Joe Barry as well. Remember, their defensive coordinator, uh, goes on to become the head coach of the Chargers, and they have a defensive coordinator opening that they could fill. And Joe Barry, still with the Rams on staff at that time, the Rams could have filled their vacancy with Joe Barry. They didn't. They went external. And then, of course, Joe Barry gets hired as defensive coordinator in Green Bay. And I would imagine that Joe Barry very much wanted that defensive coordinator job with the Rams. And again, instead of going internal, they go external, becomes a defensive coordinator for the Packers. I guarantee you that game meant a lot to Joe Barry. I thought he had a really good plan, try to limit Cooper Cup. They did give up a couple explosive plays, one over Sullivan, one likely over Douglas. Well, again, we'll see on the All-22 what that shows. But um, outside of that, I thought he had a great game plan and really limited this Rams offense, especially seeing some unscouted looks. You had the pass by Cooper Cup. Nice game by Joe, you know, by Joe Barry in this defense, and I think uh, that had to have meant a lot uh, to Joe Barry being able to beat his former team. Green Bay finally gets their bye week coming up. They certainly have earned it. They certainly deserved it. They certainly need it. We will take a look at Green Bay's injuries when they come back from the bye week and see if hopefully Green Bay can get some good news and can uh, just get some general health and rest and relaxation and energy and, and everything else that they can possibly get. And then they'll finish up the season, the regular season at least, Chicago Bears at home, Ravens on the road, Browns at home, Vikings at home, Lions on the road. As of right now, looks like Ravens and Vikings would be playoff teams, Bears, Browns, and Lions, certainly not. So not an awful way to finish the season. It certainly is a, a schedule that they can go 5-0 and against, especially the way that they're playing. And if they do so, they should have a great chance at that number one overall seed in the NFC. 
Thank you so much for joining me today on this Victory Monday. I'll be right back here tomorrow to break even more down from this impressive performance against the LA Rams. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.